Hello everyone and welcome to another World Extreme Medicine podcast. My name is Lizzie Thorne and I'm here with you today where we will be talking to Beth Pascal, an ultra runner who's been balancing a career as a paediatrician and professional runner. My background is as an NHS doctor, currently working in emergency medicine and known to occasionally work as an adventure medic on expeditions, TV shows and sporting events, including some ultra marathons which Beth and I will delve into a bit more. Welcome, Beth, and thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, and thanks for inviting me onto the podcast. Well, it's lovely to have you here, and thank you so much for finding the time. I'm sure you have a very busy schedule. Firstly, I mean, there's so much to talk about already, um, but tell us and the listeners how you felt going over that finish line in the Western States race in 2021. The The overriding feeling was relief, I think. Um, With everything that had happened during the pandemic uh, and, you know, as a a runner, probably that part of it was more stressful than than working in the NHS, to be honest. I think being a professional athlete during the pandemic was a real challenge. Um, So having just to deal with so much uncertainty over those you know, the previous year and a half, uh, getting out to the US uh, when the borders were officially uh, closed to to most people without an exemption was super stressful and not knowing whether the race was going to go ahead. So, so yeah, and I'd taken a big risk to take uh, time out of uh, of training um, to to go out and to the US. So, yeah, just relief that it had all gone to plan um yeah no it was an incredible feeling absolutely amazing and the fact that you are now the second fastest woman in history is incredible um and in 40 degree heat i don't think many people run in 40 degree heat anyway so the fact that you did that incredible race is phenomenal um so take us back to the start when did you develop an interest in ultra running it was when it must have been the latter stages of medical school or during my, my foundation years, I think. I did uh, some rowing at university. I was a lightweight rower. Um, so I think I built up a strong endurance base from that. And when I quit rowing because it just became not compatible with um, the clinical years of medical school, I was there was a few years where I was in limbo and kind of searching for something to... to I don't know, film, not necessarily film my time, but my desire to be outdoors doing something. Um, I read some books about ultra running and thought, wow, I, I didn't know that that sport existed and it would be really cool to try running that far. I didn't, I don't know if it's possible or not. I don't think I can run that far, but it'll be fun to give it a go. But I certainly had no uh, uh, well, desire or I had no idea I could be any good at it at that stage. Amazing. Okay, so from then to now, what sort of um, things have you learned that has um, made you as you are as an ultra runner? I know there's a lot of people that run day to day and I know there's a lot of people that can't picture running a 5K sometimes. But you go ahead and you do these incredible, incredible distances. How do you keep yourself going? Um, this well two or three maybe more parts to that I guess is a big question um so physically obviously it's important um and it takes a really long time to prepare yourself to 
um, to get to the top of the sport or even to complete long races like this. Um, for, so looking back on when I won Western States last year, a lot of people thought that, oh, you've, you know, you were out in the US, you must have had a really good few months of training. And, and that was true, but really it's the last decade or maybe even my whole life that has been building up to, to that race. So it takes a really long time to build that endurance base. Um, so yeah, there's nothing special that I've done in training or anything, just being really consistent with, uh, with, with running really. Um, and then, uh, strategy and tactics are a big part of it. So learning how to pace yourself for a long, a long race like that, it, it, there's no kind of cheat way of doing it. It's just about running a lot of these long races and, just becoming really in tune with with your body and um like i people say how do you know what the like how do you know if you set off if you're going too fast and like i just know how fast i run the first 10 miles of a 100 mile race i know what type of pace is sustainable and again i think it's just practice um and yeah uh, during a race mentally what how how do how do we keep going? I'm not really sure, to be honest. <laughs> um, it's, I, I mean, with all these things, we put so much effort into it, into the preparation. Uh, I, no one's likely to give up, give up easily. And when things get really hard, I, I think about all the people that have helped me get to the start line. So I think about, you know, my husband who's taken all his annual leave for the last five years to support me going to races uh my coach my family you know all those people have helped me that really kind of keeps me going when things get really tough um i i, I think i think that's answered your question in many parts yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then also touching on that i'm sure nutrition is a big thing because to keep your body fueled for over 100 miles what sort of things do you consume? Um, I take gels predominantly. Uh, so I use a type of gel um, that contains a lot of complex carbohydrates. So I'm not just taking your standard maltodextrin-based sugary gels. Um, so gels that contain kind of pureed rice and fruit and that type of thing um, that I find, I don't get the big kind of peaks and troughs in in uh in energy levels so yeah i can run for 20 30 hours on mainly gels the gels i use are called spring energy gels they're great um but i also have some coke at a stations coke is the best sports drink known to man uh <laughs> salt salt, ta salt tablets if it's hot um mm. and some real food at aid stations if i feel like I, I want something a bit savoury um, but but mainly just a lot a lot mm -hmm. um, yeah I'm really good at eating I think that's my my where I have the advantage in these things that's amazing because I know some people will be listening to this to hear what you do because you are so um, 
good at ultra running effectively to put it that way you are one of the top women in the world at ultra running and i have i've been fortunate to meet other ultra runners and they strive and strive to get to where you are and um but you also hear loads of different techniques that are used and different things are consumed people eat crumpled up pringles at some places peanut butter sandwiches um so it is very interesting to find out like what you and what works for you and what you do take and then also then this sounds as though to train for something of a hundred miles like you say it's your your whole life has led up to this but how do you fit in all your training runs around your nhs job um uh, we when we do as you know we get days off it's okay it's not too bad uh strong coffee helps um being being really organized i guess um yeah, yeah so i always like my my training is completely built around my work so i mean i can't take any credit for this my coach does it all but he he knows exactly when i'm working what shifts i'm doing what it involves so you know and and some jobs I might be on my feet a lot. Some jobs, you know, if you're in clinic a lot, would be more sedentary and kind of really um, being meticulous about planning training around uh, around work, um, which he does a great job of. Um, and, and But also at the same time, like being flexible. So, for example, if I'm working night shifts, I won't do any, I won't do any hard training during like between long long shifts like that because you know, won't get any benefit from it if if the recovery is really terrible <laughs> so and also trying to prioritize sleep where possible so like between night shifts I won't I'll just sleep as long as I can and then when I wake up I will use that time to do whatever whatever I can so it might be an hour of easy running two hours of easy running but really kind of prioritizing sleep when I know that recovery is going to be compromised mm. And within your training plans are, of course, there's a lot of running. Um, are there any other types of training that your coach puts in there for you? Um, I do a bit of cycling. Um, I, well, to be honest, I mainly cycle when I'm injured, which is, um, which not just happen a lot. I am injured at the moment, but I haven't, I've been lucky to not have a, a lot of injuries. Um, but yeah, no, I do do a bit of cycling. Um, I'm swimming as well at the moment because of my injury. Um, and I do some strength and conditioning as well three or four times a week yeah yeah and if you don't mind me asking um what injury have you got at the moment Uh, I have osteitis pubis um so (laughs) I I guess most of the listeners won't be very familiar with it (laughs) because it's it's not particularly well I, I don't know I didn't think I'd never heard of it to be honest until I got it and when I um, I've talked about it on social media and things. I've had so many people approach me um, asking me about it. I said, yeah, I've got that. And yeah, it turns out that it is a lot more common than most people think. So it's basically uh, inflammation of the bones at the front of the pelvis due to sometimes weakness, sometimes tightness, sometimes uh, poor movement patterns or just overuse. Um I can't say that I've completely got to the bottom of what what's caused mine, but uh, but yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there. Brilliant. And um, with the swimming and the cycling, um, how do you think that will contribute to you going forward in terms of the running? Um, 
Well, in the past, when I've been injured, I've been able to do a lot of cycling. Um, I I broke my ankle in 2020, and did I was able to do a lot of cycling um, with that injury, and I came <laughs> I came like cycling, yeah, yeah. No, it was fine. I was actually running on I was running on my broken ankle for a few weeks before I had a an MRI, but. So cycling was nothing. Anyway, so I I came back, when I came back to running, very quickly I was a lot stronger than I'd ever been. Um, but with this injury that I, I'm not doing very much at all, it's very, I'm doing very small amounts of cycling. It's all super, super easy. So it's, I definitely will, it will take a long time to get back into running. Um, but it's useful just to, you know, even if it's super, super light, it's, better than doing nothing so I just keep ticking over yeah brilliant so then if we um drop on back to um the balance between um ultra running and um working within the NHS what have you done over the years um to be able to do that I know you said that your coach works very hard at um, making a plan around your um, rotor but you mentioned that you did take some time out um, could you expand on that a little bit yeah so I um, I had an outer program uh, period so uh, oopsie uh, for people in the know um, last year um, so I uh, applied um, to the deanery and um, on grounds of uh, sport at an international level or professional sport. Um, and yeah, they were they were approved it and they've been really, really supportive. In fact, I did, I was originally going to take my UPSI in 2020 um, and started it. And within a few weeks, it was became clear that I wasn't going to be traveling anywhere or racing at all. So I, I then went back into training and postponed it um, until last year. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm really fortunate that the, the DNU have supported that. So yeah. yeah. That's so great to hear because I know a lot of people find um, trying to get UPSI sometimes a bit tricky. Um, and of course you can do these out of program um, uh, times for various things. So it's so nice to hear that your deanery really recognized your talent and um, prioritized you to go and invest your time in that and I think that'll give a lot of listeners hope um if they're even maybe even considering approaching their deanery about doing something like that even if it's maybe something unrelated to running yeah and I have plenty of colleagues who've who've had um oopsies for various reasons and certainly my deanery anyway is becoming more and more supportive and recognizing that to to um keep trainees in training they have to be a bit more flexible and and uh and and you know like if if for me personally if i hadn't been given the time out of program i don't know what i would have done because at, at the time i had a uh i think uh, yeah i just got my first professional running contract so i you know maybe i would have quit and then not not quit medicine completely but plan to go back into training at a later date so for me, it's 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 been really cool that I've been able to do this, and yeah, I would encourage anyone to to consider it or a, apply at least, and you might be surprised. Incredible, 
So tell us a bit more about this professional running contract and how that has worked alongside your um, job as a paediatrician. Yeah, I mean, I guess nothing particularly changed day to day because I was, I, I mean, for many years before I got to uh, a proper contract I was you know working with brands and things the main difference was that they would then pay me um, which you know it was enabled me to take time out of training um, so yeah I mean it's it's cool to get some support uh, to get to to races and things um, it's it's fun to feel like part of a team as well I I, uh, there are some other really, really great athletes on, so I run for Salomon, um, and yeah, got some really great other athletes on the team. Um, we work quite closely with, um, the designers, um, so we, to, to, you know, help develop, uh, footwear, apparel, that type of thing, which is really cool to suit our needs. Um, go on training camp, uh, that's cool as well. Um, so, so, so yeah, it, it, uh, it works pretty well, I think. Wow, that sounds amazing. And where in the world would you say has been one of your favourite places to travel to participate in one of the ultra events? Because I've seen that you've gone so many places, so many beautiful places. So which one really stands out to you? Um, that's a difficult question. I, I, I probably would say running in the Grand Canyon is is the coolest place I've run. Um, it's it's uh, it's just so different from anywhere else. In that, normally, if you're if you're going to do a run with a, a lot of climb, you start at the bottom and you go up a mountain, then down again. But it's it's like I don't know. You start by running two thousand meters down like downhill well six miles two thousand meters downhill into this oven um and it's like 45 degrees down there and and you've got to get out again um it's just i don't know it's just it's just super cool um i ran in the grand canyon quite a lot when i was staying in flagstaff in arizona for a few months last year and uh there's a famous um route or or I know for, for runners, maybe maybe hikers will do it over a few days um, where you run the rim to rim to rim of the Grand Canyon. So you run from one side, the south rim, all the way like down into the canyon, up the other side and then turn around and go back again, which t- takes about, it took me about eight hours, I think. Um, but it's just such a such a cool journey in such, such punishing conditions. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just... Uh, um, you know when you're it's kind of dangerous i think when you especially if you're running on your own like if you run out of water if you get too hot then you're you're really in trouble like there's no way out except a very very expensive helicopter um <laughs> yeah. so you, you learn, yeah you learn a lot about looking after yourself in the heat mm-hmm. um, in in those conditions yeah and do you carry safety devices on you uh no (laughs) what what do you mean by a safety device um Um, you know like the gps trackers in case something went wrong that you could um, connected all like the satellite devices uh no no. 
<laughs> I, I, I don't I don't have any of that. I mean I carry a phone but there's no yeah. there's there's no signal no. in the Grand Canyon and probably a lot of other places I run. Um but no. <laughs> do you do a lot of your training with other people or by yourself or a mixture? Um I a mixture, yeah, but I would say most of it I'm on my own. Not through not through choice, but like no one wants to go running with me at five in the morning in the winter who also lives in the same tiny place that I live. Um, so, but, but when I was, when I've um, been abroad and things, um, yeah, I, I, I do train with other people a lot. Um, so it's just, yeah, I, I, I always choose to train with other people if other people are, are up for it, for sure. Yeah. And just from that, I could really like get the um, feeling that you really quite get, um, maybe a little bit of a thrill from like pushing yourself to the edge and um going to these con into these conditions like i know some people they would think wow really but um so is that what happens is that what keeps you going is that what makes you really want to go find these areas um or completely different um no for sure um like i do enjoy <laughs> really punishing myself <laughs> Um, it's not all about that though like I, I, it's it's cool to look back on I mean I look back on like running in the Grand Canyon in that time where I thought I was going to pass out with heat stroke and things but at, at the time like you know it's not always fun but um, yeah I mean it's it's a big part of it is about um, being competitive I mean I I was I guess running in the Grand Canyon, I was mainly there to get really strong and acclimatise the heat, acclimatise the altitude in, in order to perform well at the, the race coming up. Um, but it's just a cool sport that the, the, the best training for the races is, is often pretty epic. Wow. Um, just touching on things like that, so... Um, have you ever had um, an experience whereby maybe um, you have become unwell during a race? At because of course you're doing so many, and it, they are they do push the body quite to the, an extreme level. Um, um, I wouldn't say <laughs> it's all relative, isn't it? I mean, I wouldn't say I've become unwell during a race in, in, in a way that I would require a doctor or anything. I haven't had any bad experiences like that or bad injuries during a race. I've been quite fortunate. Often things do go wrong during the during a race and it's it's but but no, I wouldn't say I've ever been like unwell mm. as such. No, mm. no. Because as we have quite a lot of doctors or nurses and um, physiotherapists and paramedics and other healthcare allies um, that listen to this, um, I just wonder, would you have um, any tips for them who are looking to maybe support an endurance event and what should they be aware of? Ooh, um, that's a really difficult question because, as I said, I've never actually seen a medic at an event like that. <laughs> and um, what I do at work could not be more different <laughs> than what a medic does at, at an endurance event. Um, I mean, I understand that feet, <laughs> GI problems, uh, 
are probably the biggest things um, that that medics have to contend with. Um, and I guess I just learned about how to self-manage these things. So it's never got to the stage where I've needed a medic. I, I mean, certainly now I've said that, I'll need a medic in my next race. But... <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, so, no, I don't, have a, I don't have a good answer for that. Sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, to be fair, that's um, amazing that you done it. But it also shows how prepared you are and probably your organisation and how you do put so much preparation into these races um, and you prepare your body and you listen to your body. Um, and then... Uh, so how comes you chose paediatrics as a speciality then considering you have all this sporting experience and love um, and you chose paediatrics which is amazing um, but where did that come in? Yeah um, that's a good question I think everyone assumes that when they find out I'm a doctor that I must do something that's related to sport but actually what I do could not be any further removed <laughs> from from running I, I currently am working on neonatal intensive care so you know I and when people approach me about oh Beth you know I've got this sore knee what do you think it is I am completely hopeless <laughs> so yeah I, I I got into peds um actually I, I did some time uh, working in a hospital in Zambia um uh uh, a while ago and I was sent to the the peds ward just because that was where they needed me uh, or they needed somebody they didn't need me specifically um, but I had done zero pediatrics um, and yeah I just I just fell in love with it I felt like um, you know it just seemed really really important um, you felt like you could save lives on a daily basis um, I mean that doesn't necessarily happen working in peds in the UK is very different but but they're certainly like yeah we could save lives on a daily basis and it and it just felt really important and I think that's that's um that's why I I chose to do chose to do peds um but it wasn't like a a really a really clear-cut thing for me I did consider other things as well um, but yeah, I haven't regretted it. Um, yeah, I really enjoy, I really enjoy my job. And um, what was that, um, trip to Zanzibar? When did you go? Uh, Zam Zambia. So, um, um, yeah, so let me start that again, then they can cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, when was that trip to Zambia? Um, when did you go? I went, uh, during medical school, actually. Um, maybe I've always been someone who likes to take time out. I took a year out in the middle of medical school um, and went and worked in a hospital um, there. And uh, and yeah, it was. It didn't really matter that much that I was only a student because there were so few resources. It's it's like you didn't. I don't know. Like there were only like two investigations you could order, like five drugs. Um, all they need, and they were so short-staffed, and they just needed somebody who could, you know, you get pretty good at putting cannulas, cannulas in babies and toddlers if you do it, like, <laughs> for 12 hours a day, every day, you know. Um, it, you don't need to have, uh, I mean, we're really, I was well-supported um, 
but we didn't they just needed bodies so you felt like you could really make a difference which was really cool mm, amazing and how is your um current job going um in regards to your st5 i believe you said earlier to me um and so how many years do you have left is it three is it ST, up to st8 for pediatrics um yes officially um yes. <laughs> but that they, they that they are uh tra training is changing and that it will become more easier to competency progress so training might be shorter than that i hope but, but depending on how much time hour i have in the meantime <laughs> so with that little hint do you know what your next challenge might be i appreciate you're an injury at the moment but what might be in the back of your mind are you able to say I mean, yeah, as yeah, it's difficult to plan at the moment, but I'm hoping um, to be fit to race the UTMB, the Ultra Tour de Mont Blanc, at the end of August this year. And if I'm fit beforehand, there will be other races that I do. But at the moment, I I'm, you know, trying to just think about being ready for the end of August. Hmm. And so I know we mentioned previously you've done the UTMB before. What keeps drawing you back to that race? It's it's that um, I don't feel like I've ever had a good race there. Um, I feel like yeah, I feel like I can do better. There's more. There's more, there's something. Yeah, there's yeah. I can perform better at that race. There's always been something that's gone wrong. So uh, there's yeah, there's room for improvement there for sure yeah says the person who's finished twice in the top five um, <laughs> but that's incredible uh that i'm sure i appreciate it sounds like yeah you're gonna go for it and good luck for trying to get there for august and um, i'll keep my fingers crossed that you your injury in uh, gets better and you recover um so lastly i would just like to ask maybe what your favorite um race has been um and if you could tell the listeners about that. Yeah, um, that's it's a difficult question. We've already talked about the Western States 100 yeah. a, a little bit, so I'll leave that aside. Um, uh, one of my favourite races is a race on the island of Reunion, which is in the Indian Ocean. I think it's the Indian Ocean. It's it's kind of near or maybe a few hundred miles away from Madagascar. Um, and it's an island not many people know very much about. And I certainly would never have gone there had it not been for this race, which is a, a hundred miles or so just crossing the island. Um, and it's just so diverse. Uh, you have like white sandy beaches and palm trees and then like 3000 meter volcanoes, like volcanoes and it is just such a crazy diverse climate uh, well environment and culture as well it's it's a, a French uh, it belongs to France but it also has this kind of Afro-Caribbean vibe and uh, it's just a crazy crazy place um, and yeah I there's somewhere that I just never ever would have gone should had I not, had I not been going had, had I not discovered ultra running and gone to a race out there amazing it sounds beautiful and mm. um, and what would you um say to someone who um is considering maybe going that little extra mile going maybe from a marathon to an ultra race would you say what would you tell them well it's a very smart decision first of all <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, I, I don't know why why you'd want to run. Uh, well, you can run a marathon on trails, but I don't know why you'd want to run on the road when you could run on the trails. And and running a bit further just uh, opens up more options, I guess. It's just such a cool thing to be able to do to cover like a, a large amount of ground on on your on your feet. Um, in you know reasonably fast so running it's just the right pace um so so yeah definitely definitely go for it uh go somewhere that like really excites you so pick a race that is in a cool place um and not doesn't necessarily have to be abroad like there are plenty of awesome trail races ultra races in in the uk um and then just have fun with with training um yeah like explore like it's it's fun to recce race routes as training um and yeah just it's uh yeah just go for it basically um and enjoy the process and as mentioned in the introduction um you've set the round record for the bob graham so just tell the few listeners um out there what that is and um, what that means effectively yeah, so the Bob Graham is a, a route um, in the Lake District that takes in, um, I, I forget this right now, I'm having a mind blank, I think it's 64 peaks um, in a big loop starting and finishing in Keswick. Um, and I, I say it's a route, there is no, you have to go to all the summits in the right order, but you take the fastest line between the summits. Um, so it's as much as a navigational challenge as um, a physical and mental challenge. Um, and it's quite a prestigious um, fell running uh, route and, and record that um, has, it's been part of, it's a big part of fell running culture and it's existed since the um, early 1900s. Um, so there's a lot of history to it as well. Um, so I, uh, I I did the round in 2020. It was a, a kind of uh, lockdown project. Uh, not not during lockdown, obviously, but I, I was supposed to be abroad racing that summer, and it became clear that I was not going to be able to travel anywhere. So I I needed to do something closer to home. So I decided to do the Bob Graham, and uh, and yeah, that kept me motivated during that first lockdown, running up and down tiny little hills outside my house um, in preparation for the country opening up and be able to travel to the Lake District to, to run, run the Bob Graham. Yeah. Amazing. Well, we do one of our courses in Keswick, one of the Expedition and Wilderness Medicine courses. Oh, and cool. Some, yeah, and some of our participants sometimes go out to some of the peaks. Um, I don't think anyone yet has quite attempted all 64 whilst we're down there. <laughs> Um, but I'll set that challenge to whoever might join us one time. Um, <laughs> um, it's also amazing because I actually did a little bit of a Google. And I, I, it's less than 3,000 people that have actually gone ahead and completed um, the Bob Graham round. Um, so, yeah, 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 I mean, you're probably more up to speed than me. I don't know how many people have done it. Um, Professionally. Uh, it's, 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 I would say that's quite a lot for an obscure little route in the Lake District. <laughs> <laughs> but for I mean, for me, the challenge was trying to run fast, and the girl that held the record previously um, is just phenomenal. And um, yeah, she's she's my role model. So 
I uh, it was yeah a big challenge and a big ask for me to go faster than her. And do you remember the speed at which you did it in? It, it took me fourteen hours thirty four minutes. Wow. Um, and I think it's about sixty two miles, perhaps with. Mm. Uh, again I forget but maybe 8,000 meters of climb but it's all very it's not really about the distance or the or the climb it's the terrain because you know you're not on paths for most of it it's 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 really rough terrain Mm. um yeah a good adventure I recommend it to anybody (laughs) I'll start with one peak (laughs) (laughs) no sounds amazing I'll have to have a I'll have to go out to some of the peaks when I'm next there um that sounds amazing just to even like see how and what uh, the terrain is when you run there so incredible yeah it's it's you can break it so it's broken down into five legs kind of divided by road crossing so you can go out and just run a leg or, or walk a leg um or two in one go um which is which is how you, how I you know trained for it and uh, and and it really don't just train and do it all at once. Yeah. So yeah yeah anyone could do at least a leg or two for sure. Brilliant. Well, look forward to that indeed. Amazing, incredible. Well, Beth, it's been absolutely amazing to talk to you. And um, you've inspired me. I feel like I'm going to go on a <laughs> run now. So and <laughs> um, so I'm sure the listeners are going to be mesmerised by hearing just a little snippets that we've heard today um and um for everyone that's listening please go ahead and follow beth as well on instagram uh beautiful photos to see incredible stories to hear um and uh get involved get ultra running effectively (laughs) um Um, awesome anything else you'd like to add at all uh no no nothing thanks again for for letting me uh share a little bit of my journey so far thank you so much beth for being with us all here um, and talking on this podcast i'm sure you've inspired so many people and um everyone will just be fascinated by what you've done and what thank you again from us at world extreme medicine for tuning in and listening to this podcast uh please feel free to go ahead and look at all the other podcasts we have. And if you want to take part in any of our courses, we have them up and running again post-COVID and we can't wait to see many people there with us.